What's going on, y'all? Ronnie Moore here with my man Kyle Jesse, and we're doing another preview uh, for fantasy fishing. We got the Sabine River coming up, the fourth stop of the Bassmaster Elite Series. We're going to talk fantasy fishing for that. We're going to get his picks. We're going to get my picks. We're also going to rehash pick the third event of the season that just ended uh, basically 10 days ago, and we get to see uh, what happened there, all the twists and turns, and that was such a great event, my favorite lake in the country. We also announced since Pickwick ended and before the Sabine started, we announced the 2022 Classic Destination. A little bit weird announcing that when we haven't had the 2021 Classic yet. Normally, we announce it well after that Classic, but with our Classic being in June, we announced it already, and we we're excited for Greenville, South Carolina, and Hartwell for the 2022 Classic. We'll get into that and more. But, Kyle, I appreciate you joining me today. I'm looking and feeling good. Uh, True South sent me this hat last year, American flag. I decided to rock it today. It feels good. My wife, she came home from work, didn't have a great day, but she got me a sunshine sticker. It brightened her day up a little bit. She stuck it on my chest, and I said, you know what? I'm going to leave it. So I'll embrace my inner Ronnie Bass today from Remember the Titans. You can call me Sunshine. I don't have the long blonde hair, but we'll roll with it. So I'm excited to have you on. You kind of encouraged me to redo this and rehash the uh, the YouTube game and the podcast game. The first one kind of popped off a little bit compared to what I expected, and fans really enjoyed our interaction and, and kind of our insight into how we approach fantasy and just the event in general. So I'm glad you joined me. Yeah, I mean, it, it really the reality of it is, is these are the same conversations that we have off camera anyway so it's like we might as well just press record and see where it goes um obviously we're both ate up with this and you know looking at the sabine obviously every single tournament as far as fantasy fishing goes uh is unique in its own right but i think this tournament is uh no different uh, a lot of a lot of different things could happen a lot of things at play um you know pickwick i mean what a what an event that was uh watching bill lowen finally get his uh first elite series win i mean that was an incredible tournament to cover to be at um and then like you said the big announcement with the classic a lot of exciting things going right now the, the first time we did this uh right before pickwick i was super excited pickwick's a great venue it was great for the elite series a lot of twists and turns though but appreciate you wanting to come on you spurred me along for that last recording and this one we kind of got together a little bit earlier than we did last time to do a sabine uh preview but uh, how have you been? You went to the Pickwick event. You got to see it in person, everything, and how it went down. I did. I did. That was a uh, a really fun event to be at. They're all fun to be at, but uh, seeing the changing conditions and, you know, seeing those guys adapt day to day, um, you know, in person, you know, just as an angler to be out there watching it. I mean, it was uh, it was incredible to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, as far as doing these podcasts go, I mean, these are the same conversations we're going to have off camera anyway, so we might as well just press record and see what happens. Exactly. We we always are talking about it. Uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Who's going to do well this event? Man, well, the history says this. and, and Right, so why exactly. Not, why not record it down and get it going? And so that's it. We're almost halfway through the Elite Series season. This will be the fourth stop of the Bassmaster Elite Series, the Sabine River. It was in April, then it got moved back to the end of the year, and then now it's back in April the same week. It all worked out the way it has. Um, but it'll be the fourth stop of the Elite Series, which we've normally had the Classic well and done, but that's still in the future to look forward to. So basically a 10-event season, including the Classic, nine Elite Series events and one Classic event. And so we'll be going through our fourth event. So it's kind of weird. We're not normally having this much season before it. But before we move on to the Sabine, I wanted to wrap up the Pickwick event. For one, it was super cool to watch it go down. I mean, 
I, I was so close. I think I called it within like two or three ounces of what Bill Lowen's big bass was, that 8-5 on the final day. I immediately said like 8-6, 8-7, something like that. And then the more we talked about it, the closer it got to nine pounds, maybe a 10-pounder. Like it just, it kept getting bigger in our minds. And I think obviously it was bigger in the sense of importance you know that eight five catching a big bass on the final day of a tournament is huge but catching the biggest bag or the biggest bass on the of the event on the final day is even bigger and what's crazy is i've been on the water covering bill lowen when he's had a shot to win the last time he was really close the chesapeake bay for an elite series event obviously the classic grand uh was was a close one as well until you know halfway through the final day and then it was just a blowout but at the Chesapeake Bay, I remember Bill Owen jumped out, had 20-pound bags so quick, and had passed Aaron Martins. And then Aaron Martins was slow to get started, but he caught like a seven-and-a-half pounder or something like that right in the middle of his day. And boom, I saw Bash Track, and I was like, the guy I'm covering is not going to win again. I got so many guys covered that was second place, third place. I couldn't get a winner that season. And I thought Bill was going to be the winner and it was going to be sentimental for a lot of reasons, but to see Aaron Martins catch the biggest bass of the event and beat him, even though he had had, I think it was like no 20 pound bags all week. Bill Owen catches a 20 pound bag on bass track, the biggest one of the event, man, he's going to do it in dramatic fashion. And then Martins catches a seven and a half and has like 22 pounds and has the biggest bag and bass on the final day and destroys his hopes and dreams. So to see Bill get redemption in that way as well, have that huge, crucial fish to take the title was super cool. And, and I know that you had a different perspective on the water, but talk to me about that flooding. It was low as can be for the winter drawdown and, and keeping it low for the spring rains. To see the changes that occurred on Pickwick, a fishery that I know very well, it was pretty interesting how it, how it went down at the beginning of the event and how it transitioned into Monday and Tuesday of that event. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, and I'll be honest, even prior to the event starting, if it were to, you know, to start the day it was supposed to, you know, I guess I underestimated how low it was until you started seeing, uh, you know, drone shots and aerial shots and, you know, things from practice. And it's like, man, the way I envision this going in my head is definitely not how it's going to play out. <laughs> but then, you know, after we talked about it on the, the podcast, but like, those storms that came through were just massive. I mean, massive storms, huge amounts of rain. I mean, heavy winds. I mean, really, really brutal storms. To see the water come up that much in, from the very first morning I was there at takeoff, like when, you know, we were going to start and uh, postponed it. And then to actual day one, which would have been Saturday, I was just like, this is incredible. Like the, nobody's made a cast yet. And this is just like, already played out to be a crazy event because just the mental side of it, you know, I mean, having to go out there on a lake that's completely different than it was when they practiced it and, you know, get after it and just fish instincts and go off of a, you know, feel. It shows you how good the fishery was that guys could actually be consistent early on in the event at, in the event that a Bill Owen can have 20 pound bags back to back days that Kobe Krieger can have like 25 and then have, almost 20 with 19 and change right back-to-back days like I know that that doesn't sound super impressive to be consistent but I mean Bill Lowen was catching fish where there wasn't even water days prior and one thing that's different is I think we had all chalked it up to being six feet low my myself included in practice and then uh then it rose up and it was full pool 
and and the dangers were the dirty water the swift current and the debris coming down the river but the thing about it was i think it was like four feet low and it came up six or seven feet because it, it was like day three of the event when the water started to fall a little bit <laughs> we saw scott martin on camera and i saw the top of a concrete uh picnic table at mcfarland park and i was like I didn't see that picnic table yesterday and I'm only seeing the top of it today. So it was above a picnic table on land that's normally dry. So it wasn't just full, it was above full. And that's what people, they see the big storms that came through and you've got uh, Pickwick, Wheeler, Wilson, Gunnersville, Chick, uh, Watts Bar, Fort Loudon and Kentucky Lake. It's not just one body of water getting a lot of rain that affects it. It is Sure. six seven eight lakes getting water that they've got to balance and get it through the system the way it was so you can't help but blow out pickwick through the dam when they're like oh it can take the water because it's low so that was very interesting super hats off to bill lowen on winning that at the end of the day brock mosley had a super good charge 22 and change the biggest bag on the final day uh and almost won the deal with majority smallmouth he was just like two and a half pounds from winning there. And Bill Lowen won, and I believe it was 20 largemouth. I don't think that he caught a smallmouth, which was very different than what we all thought. But it was weird. There was different times. Day one and day two dominated by smallmouth at the dam. Day three, you really saw, even though the weights dropped, it was Bill Lowen's worst day, only 17 pounds and change. He It was his worst day, and he moved up into the top spot tying Chad Pipkins. But we really got right. to see that day three – which was Monday, the day we really expected them to bite for a lot of guys. They didn't for, for most, but they did for a couple. And it was like the Ravettes and the Cherry Change team. Pipkins had a big bag as well as Corey Johnston had a big bag. And so a lot of those guys in that mid-lake region started to rise. And those guys at the tail races, they suffered and they really couldn't make up that big of a deficit going. They, they suffered from fifth to sixth dropping back to ninth or tenth a little too far from the top whereas some of those guys who struggled um you know like bill lowen struggled and was in second or third and got to move up into first so very right. interesting to see how the parts of the river which ones excelled and it was like damn for day one and two and the rest of the river fished okay and then you see the midsection of the lake that Coger Island, Natchez Trace area, even even down to Yellow Creek and stuff, JP Coleman, which is where Rivette and Cherry were, those areas excelled day three. And then day four, those areas kind of just petered out a little bit. You saw the dam go back up with Kennedy and Mosley, and you saw Johnston and Lowen really do it do their deal in the mid lake section. So right. super crazy. My fantasy team, I was at like 88.1%. So I was at 87 and change. And I moved up to 88.1, and I throw it to you, Mr. Kyle Jesse. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, it back a little bit. I did. I did. I sure did. Um, I dropped back to 76.6. So it was, it was a tough, tough event as far as fantasy goes for me. Um, the two most chalk picks um, let me down big time. And that was that's what killed me. And I, I get – criticized every once in a while for not picking the high percentage picks um i don't know why but um my two most high percentage picks by far were my two biggest letdowns so um you know just kind of goes to show you you can't ever 
that's what makes fantasy fishing so fun. Let's be honest. Is the fact that like you can think you know that your team is going to catch them, and the biggest surprises will be the ones that you thought were going to catch them the most. Um, yeah, it's just not good for me. But we're going to make a comeback at this event. And I was thinking about that because every event so far, I'm doing okay. I'm beating 11, or I'm uh, I'm in the top 11.9% of fantasy fishing. You know, I'm beating 88.1%. But I was thinking about it because every event I've had one guy really hurt me. And if he was just okay, I would have 1,100 points or it would be something outstanding that people would take if he didn't do as bad as he did. And it was Canterbury, the first event, 75th place. And he was 25th. He dropped back. We talked about that. He was one of the most, I mean, he'd made a top 10 both years he'd fished there. Second event in Knoxville, I think Mike Huff, I picked him. It was a sneaky one. He was low percentage. He's from that East Tennessee, Kentucky region, knows how to fish those drawdown deals. Uh, the Cherokees, the Douglases, you know, the Fort Loudons. I assumed he'd do well. I think he finished 66th or 74th, something like that, somewhere in that range. That hurt me big time. And then Justin Atkins, local, going to know more about that place that time of year than anyone. And it didn't pan out, but it made me feel okay because he was chasing different patterns that kind of worked or worked for that day and they didn't pan out. But a local did do well, Brock Mosley. He's not local to Florence, but Mississippi-wise, that was his winter fishing. He learned all of his winter fishing there. So there was a local flair of knowledge that came into play, but he doesn't live exactly on the fishery. So it one pick each event I regret. I really oh, – I don't regret any picks. I, I did them for smart reasons, but those three picks – one at each event have really hurt me from being in the top 95%, but I'm at 88 and I'm, and I'm pretty close. So we'll get done. We'll, we're done talking about Pickwick. I know that you were, I looked at the thing mid event and I was like, mm, that Hackney pick missing the cut that hurt Atkins pick that hurt everything. Everybody else for me made the cut. Uh, I think I had one guy maybe get 52nd or something, barely missed the cut. And then uh, everybody else made the cut. A couple of people went up. Brian Schmidt made the final day for me. So that was huge. Well done on that pick. I, I feel like you have not got as much, as much credit as you deserve on that pick. And that was a very, very good pick. Yeah. People mentioned it, you know, on stage and whatnot that, you know, they picked it because of grass, but it wasn't necessarily a grass deal for him there, but he is a great uh, offshore, you know, a little bit offshore fisherman dissecting it with his electronics and then also a bladed jig. Whether there's grass or not, a bladed jig is going to factor in the pre-spawn. So those were some gut things that worked out. I think Brad Watley was a huge pick for me. He had a couple good – as day one was tough, day two was great, day three was solid, and he ended up finishing up higher and uh, and whatnot. So I was pleased with that. Uh, Stetson Blaylock also made the cut. And then I had one more guy that I can't quite remember – uh, who it was that also made the cut. So that was Pickwick. Uh, one other news and note before we move on. Lake Hartwell, 2022 Bassmaster Classic. We announced that last week during our week between the Sabine and uh, Pickwick. Uh, the fourth time in 13 years that we'll be at Hartwell. I know people want some more variety and whatnot, but Hartwell's a great, a great fishery and a great host to the Classic. And I talked about that with Tommy Sanders that – uh, you know, in studio, we did a video about the announcement and it's got the, it's got the, the ramp green pond, the folks in Anderson, Neil Paul, fantastic host city there for the venue that happens at the, at the lake, you know, the, the right. immediacy of the boat ramp, Hartwell, Anderson, South Carolina, but then Greenville being our host, it's, 
it's it's something like this and and i want to go to any lake in the country for a classic i really do but if you have it in march it's got to be virginia and south really it's it's honestly got to be virginia and south i feel like it's towing that line virginia is even going to be tough in march of of if it's snowing or really cold whatnot so south carolina is a great spot we've seen it in february there get really cold but you've got that window of time of of march so you're going to be virginia and south in my opinion and you can't have it in a huge city everybody wants to do it in a giant city they think oh you know we'll go to houston houston was great but when you go to a giant city you're not the only show in town you know if you go to a gunnersville and you do it in birmingham it's fishing country it's all about that when you go to houston you're going to have other sports going on you'll have basketball going on at the mar in the in the classic window you'll have early baseball people thinking about that there's pbr there's a lot of other things that happen in big cities like houston i love the classic we had there but that's an issue that's why tulsa is such a great place hartwell and anderson and greenville that areas are such a great place knoxville was great because we know tennessee athletics aren't probably vying very much in march and no, i'm just kidding um but you know, those, those cities like that are big enough to have a classic, but small enough where the classic is the show in town. Because let's face sure. it, classic's huge. It's the Super Bowl. But when there's other sports going on around, it's not going to have all the eyeballs that we would hope it would be. So that's why Hartwell is such a great place. And we've had four different or three different classics there. We had Alton Jones, uh, 2009. The water was super low. All that timber was out, exposed. He had the, you know, a deep bite going. We saw Charlie Hartley up in some magic docks that had water on him. It was incredible there. That almost worked out for him. Then you go to 2015, coldest classic on record. It played right into Casey Ashley's hand, the local, and he got to take it home there with the underspin bite, catching school, you know, schools of fish offshore. He knew, he knew what to do there. Went to a couple key docks and caught some fish. And then we had 2018 where Jordan Lee was doing all kinds of stuff. And we got to see bladed jig play. We got to see uh, an underspin play still. We got to see some jerkbait action. We saw a wacky worm catch a couple big fish for him. So I love Hartwell for that time period, that early March period. Plus, I'll mention it before I throw it over to you on your thoughts. We just had a college event that same exact week this year, 2021, we had a, a college event. And, and I think every team caught like 15 pounds. Like it was, it was, if you had 15, good job buddy but you better catch 16 or 17 to like do really well it might not have been 15 might have been 13 or 14 but you gotta catch them two and a half pounders not going to be a good deal there you're gonna have to catch a better size fish and i know with the elites in the classic field that'll be the case for sure yeah and, and ultimately you know you hear this said a lot about hartwell but like it's just such a good tournament lake in the sense that there's a lot of variety uh, there's no lack of water as far as, you know, boats goes. I mean, obviously the classic being, you know, a smaller field, that's not really usually the, you know, a, a big issue. Um, but I mean, ultimately it's, it's just a really great venue. Like you said, everything about that area is perfectly suited for the classic. And, you know, I think you having it in March, having it at that time, uh, you know, it, it, it allows a lot of uh, diversity as far as like what could play out. Right. I mean, when, like you said, you go back to the KC Ashley classic there, the water was cold. It just didn't allow for a lot of different variety. I mean, it was guys fishing really, really slow, really deep, but most, most everybody at least. Um, and then, you know, in March, depending weather, I mean, it could, you know, it could possibly still be that if you get a warming trend. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that could happen. 
Um, and I think that that uh, just Lake Hartwell in general is just a really fun, entertaining lake to uh, watch a tournament play out. It really should be good. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, I did have two or three anglers that maybe have dropped the ball. You know, a couple of anglers texted me saying, uh, I need to catch them the rest of the year if I want to make it to Hartwell and have a shot to do well. So I know we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that. So I wanted to jump into fantasy fishing for uh, the Sabine River. This is what the, the podcast is about. The video is about. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the buckets. I'm just pulling it up on my phone to make sure I'm saying everything correctly. But we compared teams before we did this, and I don't think we had one that matched. So this is going to be a really good one. And uh, We have one. I'll let we you have start. one. Oh, we have one that matches. I think we have one that matches. Oh, yes, yes, we do. I know which one it is now. So I'm going to let you start it off. We've been to the Sabine a couple times before. We've been a couple times early and a couple times mid, mid-year. mid You know, I think the last time we were there with Hackney, I think it was mid-season, uh, which was incredible that he finished first there and was ninth in Angler of the Year. And we only had like one more Southern event and the Northern Swing, and he dropped out of classic contention with just a, a bad few events. So even in mid-season form, uh, there's still a lot of fluctuation in Angler of the Year standings. I think we've had some other events there that could have been pre-spawned. I like that dog toy right there, uh, keeping away from from your from your girl Chloe. But uh, as you balance that, tell me your bucket A pick and kind of your thoughts there because it's it's two events into the, or three events into the season. The top AOI race is starting to shake up a little bit, and that that top bucket is guys who have really caught them so far. No doubt. And uh, with that being said, somebody that's really caught him the last two tournaments, I'm going with Brock Mosley. I mean, back-to-back top tens. Um, you know, I, we talked about it on the phone the other day. One of the guys that gets really overlooked, um, you know, in fantasy fishing just in general, somebody that catches them all the time. Uh, and then also, if you want to go with history, which is three of the five of my picks were based on history, at least to some degree. Um, Brock Mosley has only fished one Elite Series tournament there. Finished 12th. Also, with that being said, like, you know, that may be his only experience on the Sabine. But to me, I mean, in Mississippi, there's no question that he fishes water similar to what the Sabine River offers. Now, granted, like the tidal situation, that's obviously maybe a little bit different, but tough, dirty. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just genuinely think that's a really good pick. At the time that I picked him, he was at like three and a half percent, 3.7. I think when I checked the other day or this morning, it was like five and a half percent. But for that, for him to be that low in bucket A, I think that's a, that's a steal of a pick. I did. I was intrigued by that. And, uh, and I, for a couple reasons, because some, sometimes we, we mentioned it, we'll do that little uh, segment later called hyper history. And I feel like he's a little bit of both. Uh, he's mm-hmm. does well on fisheries that are like that. He does have a little bit of momentum from getting second, uh, his third second place finish, albeit. So he's going to be one. Hey, what's up? If you're going, if you're going to see the ears, you got to see the face. I mean, that's the <laughs> ran away. Uh, I've got an interesting pick as well, and I, it's a little bit along the lines of who took the title at Pickwick and Bill Lowen won there. But I'm not picking Bill in Bucket A because he's not in Bucket A. But I'm picking Matt Heron, and I think that Matt Heron could win this event. Uh, in reality and you'll see a theme over all five of my picks I do I have three older statesmen and then I've got two younger guys but the younger guys kind of fish a more old school style in my opinion the way they the way they go about it so I tease that a little bit but I feel like you got to fish a little bit slow when you're at the Sabine 
guys who run around or fish a little too fast, you're not going to get a bite everywhere. And that's not a, that's not a diss on the Sabine on tidal fisheries like that. When you find a group of fish, you stay on that group of fish. You don't go find the group of fish and then leave them hoping to duplicate that. You've got to maximize it. And so I think some of the older guys, those river old school fishermen end up doing better at the Sabine than young guys because they hunker down in an area and they're patient. So any, any advice to young guys, I'm just going to just say slow down and be patient because the Sabine is not a place that you're going to run around and get a bite everywhere you go. You're going to run around and keep running around and you might not even make it to your spot because you might run aground. So I'm picking Matt Heron, who's at 1.4% flipping patience and history there. He's been in some good regions of that place uh, the couple times he's been there. So he knows where dead water might be or what dead water will look like, especially as it's coming in and out of that fishery. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Um, I think kind of to your credit, it's an interesting take as far as like not running around and spreading yourself out too much. Uh, you kind of almost view it like Florida. If you last events in the sense of like, if you find some fish and find an area that has fish, um, it's, you definitely got to milk them for all they're worth. Um, you, you just don't hear... I mean, I've watched all the shows in the last couple of weeks. I mean, you just, none of those guys are just running. I mean, they're, some of those areas are so spread out as well that you can't afford to run 50 miles that way and then run back 50 miles. And then like, it's just too spread out. And, you know, being able to hunker down in an area, um, somebody like Matt Heron, you know, that's a, that's a really good pick. I think that's, that's solid. Yeah. And, and looking at the bucket, there's a couple of people that really are high percentage and that's the usual suspects. Greg Hackney, Brandon Pollock, the two highest owned or selected anglers in that bucket, 47% for Hackney, 16% for Pollock. I mean, Greg Hackney is going to be the highest picked angler in his bucket all year. I don't care. I don't care if it's a good fish or a good, a good place for him or not. Whole season sets up well for him, but he's going to be a highly selected angler every single event. 47% for him. You got the history factor. He won the last time we were here, but it was in the dead of summer. Uh, and then for Polinick, you know, I think I think he had a good event the last time we were here, but before it hadn't been so hot. It's just it's, you know, it's hard to read sometimes on how anglers are going to translate. But he's also coming off a good event at Pickwick as well, so he's at sixteen percent. What do you think about those two percent? Those two high percentage guys, like it's the same exact high percentage guys that were that we picked for Pickwick as well. That's that's kind of my thought process. So do I think Greg Hackney will catch him at the Sabine? Sure. I think everybody, you know, thinks that. I also thought Greg Hackney was going to catch him at Pickwick. Hence the reason I picked him on my team. And he did not. He missed the cut. Um, you know, obviously, did. I think he finished in the 50s somewhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, do I think those guys will catch him? Sure. But, it, like I said, it goes back to the thought process that we spoke about earlier with lower percentage guys. I mean, I think that there's other people in bucket A with significantly lower percentages that have a tremendous chance of finishing higher than those guys. Um, and, you know, like you and I have talked about a million times, I mean, that's how you set yourself apart, really. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I've got like a cat. I, there's a cat outside of my man shed, and I'm pretty sure it's walking in. So give me one. <laughs> Between your cat and my dog. Get out of here, cat. 
Sounds like you took care of it. It might be a bird too. It's a bird. <laughs> oh no! He's in the he's in the deal. Ah! <laughs> Did y'all see the bird in here? He literally. <laughs> He's out. We're back. Wasn't a cat. It was a bird. <laughs> I heard some walking in, like, just, if you don't know my man cave, you walk into the spare garage out in the back, and then there's an extra room, which is in here, and I'm sitting in the extra room. I can't see the front door, which I left cracked open because it's a beautiful day, and literally, I just hear something right around the wall, and I don't know if it's going to eat me or if it's going to pet me to death, so... We're all good. Um, we both had I, our distractions <laughs> to this point between me fending off my dog and you fending off wild animals. It's fantastic. Um, so I'm just going to jump in. I'm, I already, you gave your pick. Uh, your pick was Brock Mosley. My pick was Matt Heron. Uh, we talked about the high percentage guys that are selected there. I'm going to go into my bucket B pick. I'm one of those younger guys on the tour, um, but that kind of fishes like an older, old school approach and that has been here and done that. Drew Benton. 0.5%. I mean, dude, for one, yes, Texas, they've probably already spawned or started spawning, but I treat some of these events just like the spawn, even if they're not, because they're going to be fishing in inches of water and they're going to be, you know, the bites, they're going to have to be few and far between sometimes. So they're going to have to pick them apart. I think Benton's got enough experience there that uh, he'll, he'll kind of know what to do and utilize his time for practice. So Benton is my pick, 0.5%, bucket B, sign, seal, deliver right there. Fair enough, fair enough. I like it. I can't believe that you said 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. Holy cow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's way lower enough. than I would have ever guessed. Yeah. That is incredible. Um, Switch to him. Sorry. Say what? No, I, I, I'm not. I, I like my pick in bucket B. I'm going with John Cruz. Um, so John Cruz, you've got it pulled up. What what is the percentage on Cruz, on Cruz? is at fifteen point two percent? So that's relatively high, but I mean, I I can definitely Second live with that. Yeah, I can live with that. Um, I guess there's a, a big enough spread of uh, anglers that are picked in that bucket. Um, and this is something I want you to you to tap in on as well is the fact that like when you get in these really tough events, a lot of people will just be out of it before the first cast and the first day is ever made. I know it's uh, it's something and, and we had talked about that in 2018. I remember uh, that was actually one of my first events uh, being there at JM working the uh, live set. And I just remember that so vividly and somebody that has such a positive outlook and a, a positive mentality towards it, like a John Cruz, that's got experience, got, you know, positive history. Um, I just think that, John Cruz is not going to be intimidated by it. You know, if he has, even if he has a bad practice, I think he'll go in there and grind it out and, and make the most of it. And like I said, a lot of, a lot of guys, not necessarily young guys, but young, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess young attitude wise, at least anyways, if it gets tough, it just gets tough. But uh, I think John Cruz won't let that get to him. I, I just really confident he's going to catch him. I think you were obviously doing the Skype, the bonus coverage, and we had John on Skype one day. And I said to him, I spoke up and asked the question. I said, I always like to ask, or we always like to ask what your 
what events you're looking forward to the most this year, what events you're not looking forward to the most. And I always love John Cruz's answer. He says, all of them and all of them for both for both questions. Or I think it's all of them for which ones he's looking forward to, none of them, which ones he's not looking forward to. He just keeps the next event in his mind. And I think that's a, that is a positive outlook. He had a solid finish at Pickwick. And so I think that Cruz is going to be one that, yeah. And, and he knows how to get around that place. I, I believe no he did make a final day there. And he's used to that tidal fishing stuff, fishing in Virginia, knowing the James River, the Chesapeake, the Potomac, those places. He knows um, how they kind of fish and when those feeding windows are. And so Cruz is a good pick. Despite the percentage, it's just so hard because you don't know what guy, you know, I, I'll bring this up. Jake Whitaker, my boy, literally had a great bag was going to make the cut, was going to fish day three at Pickwick, checked in with the wrong flight. You just can't predict that in fantasy who's going to be late for 15 minutes and get their weight zeroed out for the day or who's going to get stuck on a sandbar out of their honey hole area. You just like don't know. And so any of these high percentage, any of these low percentage guys, they could catch the fish they need and not even get to weigh them in because they don't make it back or they run out of gas or, or whatever. Uh, I've seen some guys go out on a limb this week already. One of your boys, Brock Mosley, went to some random obscure ramp and was sanded in, couldn't get his boat, boat and truck there for a while. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm appreciative for Tyler Rivette and Hank Cherry documenting that for us to see. But no doubt, stuck like Chuck, as Cherry said. And so some of those guys are going to go out and try to just swing for it. You know, maybe they've made a couple good finishes this season and the money's in the bank account. Now they can go for the wins and they're going to do some risky stuff that we cannot account for in fantasy fishing. Sure. And something else I wanted to tap in on, and you kind of mentioned it there as well. Uh, partially why I selected, you know, just looking forward, a lot of uh, history on, you know, in this tournament. It's just the fact that, it's so vast obviously it's it's without it goes without being said how vast of a fishery this is how much fishable water these guys have just having been there you know having drove around the place having any experience at all you would think would be positive experience at least in navigation at least in kind of what to expect and i mean for me a lot of the guys you know outside of you know positive history just having history there i mean this is not one of those lakes where you can or bodies of waters where you can just point it to and be like you know what he's probably at least fun fished or he's fished some events like there's just outside of the elite series tournaments and then obviously the the open there in 2017 there's just like not a lot of history <laughs> like the guys have, have fished there or they haven't you know it's kind of the way i look at it yeah and, and i think the one equalizer in that sense is if you haven't made a cast there you've probably watched Bassmaster live and we, we literally sure. show you the great areas. We probably break down the route that it takes to get places. And so the only thing they have to do now is jump into some of those areas and get confidence by catching a fish or two and realizing, okay, they're still there. Or did saltwater push into the, And that's one thing that's bad. On a fishery like this, saltwater can push into some bayous and, and sloughs that normally it doesn't. And those fish leave and they go to another bayou or slough. And the people who have history there will roll up and be like, man, I'm not getting a bite in my favorite canal. Why? And they don't know why, whereas someone wouldn't know any different and they just move on to the next, next place. So they can, it can burn you in some places like this, but it can help you a whole lot, especially narrowing down the sections. And I have to admit, we've been there a couple of times before. We've seen it go down on Bassmaster Live. 
I think we'll see a new area or two factor this year uh, that we haven't really seen as much on live. So, or at least in the event, we, uh, we've seen probably maybe an angler or two in certain areas, but they haven't maximized it or done well. I think we'll see some of those new areas on Bass Live by the time day four rolls around. So give me your bucket C pick. I think we match up on this one, I think, if I remember correctly. And so we'll be able to break it down real quick. We do. Um, so I'm going Brandon Cobb in bucket C. And one of the picks, like I said, that has, I would think, no history whatsoever fishing there. Uh, but I'm just looking at this from a stylistic sense. He checks off all the boxes of everything that in the past has played at the Sabine. I mean, you take in how good of a topwater fisherman he is with the buzzbait, uh, frog. Um, and then also, like, you know, depending on how tough it is, the guy's an outstanding finesse fisherman. I mean, if it, it was something I, I mentioned a lot in my story was, if it comes to having to throw a wacky rig and having to finesse fish, I think somebody like Brandon Cobb's going to already be ahead of the field just being that comfortable with that style of fishing. Um, you know, obviously can flip, can do a lot of things, but I, I, without any history, I think Brandon Cobb actually sets up really well for this event. Yeah, I think a lot of the Carolinians do, and that's not my bias shown, but I think that like just how they fish this time of year just translates to some of those tough places really well. That's why I think we saw we saw Whitaker get a top five there his first year on the elites when the, the last time we visited the Sabine. We see some of these guys come through with good finishes. I'm going to put John Cruz in there, even though he's not a Carolinian. Virginia, I mean, they do we do a lot of the same stuff. Not like it's exclusive to that area, but sure. wacky worms, the top water. That's stuff that you live with 24-7, 365 for the anglers uh, in those states, basically maybe not 365, maybe like 324 or something like that. Yeah. 24, seven, 324, they can use a wacky rig or top water, but that's just the way that they fish. And so it's their comfort zone. And so when you go there, you don't need 15 rods on the deck. You're going to have, sure. you're going to catch them on a light Texas rig. You maybe, maybe catch them on a swim jig. You catch them flipping something else, punching maybe, and you have a, a wacky rig and a top water and maybe, maybe a square bill for Cypress. You're going to have literally a half a dozen rods. Uh, and I think that that's sometimes we get too many people to have too much stuff out there because they don't know what to throw. So they could throw anything. So sure. I like that Brandon Cobb picked 7% selected right now in that bucket. We got swindle and Ravet 32% and 17.9%. We'll get into those as well, but those are some of your high pick options in that bucket, but there are a lot of good solid selections in bucket C that aren't Brandon Cobb and aren't Ravet and uh, Swindle, like I just said. You've got some of these. And I think that Ravet's just coming off some momentum. you got some uh, uh, Louisiana flavor there for him. There's some other guys. Scott Canterbury's in bucket C after a tough Pickwick event. Brad Watley. Uh, you've got Caleb Kufal, Mark Frazier, Bernie Schultz. You've got a lot of guys. Bernie's got some history here for sure. He got to see it go down in Whitaker's area. A few years ago, he was fishing in that same slough, so he knows a little bit about it. You got Greg De Palma, a title fisherman there as well. So, and a guy who fishes in New Jersey, he's not fishing for many bites there either. So, uh, he's used to that. So that's bucket C. It's pretty diverse there. As we go to bucket D, there are some names in this bucket that you don't expect four, three, you know, three and a half events into the season to still be there. You've got Micah Frazier in bucket D. You've got Todd, Todd Auten, Jake Whitaker. Uh, you've got Matt Airy, Chris Zaldane, some guys that you really don't expect. And another one, Clark Winlet. 
and he's my he's my pick for the fantasy fishing bucket there. I don't normally pick high percentage guys. He's at 22%. I just feel like this is Clark's jump start back into a great season. I think that he is one of those seasoned anglers. He knows how to fish slow. He knows how to be patient and uh, smart. Not saying some of these pros aren't smart, but he's not going to risk it all for one bass. And so, which means he's going to show up on time. I just probably cursed him, but if my words have that much power, man, I'd hate for a million dollars to fall in my bank account tomorrow. You know, if it, if that, if it works out that way, but Winlet's smart, he maximizes his time. And I think that all of those other boxes about techniques and whatnot, he checks the box on those. So he's probably never fished here. And uh, this will be his first tournament experience here. But I think Clark Winlet, this is where he kickstarts his campaign back into the driver's seat, maybe follow it up at Fork and Gunnersville and Neely before going up north. I like it. I like it. I think that's a good pick. Um, like you said, just kind of like the, the you know, those, the o- older guys, the guys that have been around a lot longer, obviously just kind of have that grinders mentality. And uh, I think it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about with Cruz. I mean, just your mentality going into a, a tournament like this, a lot of times, you know, we'll have you ahead of the field before it even starts. Um, so I'm actually going with, uh, with your boy, uh, Jake Whitaker in bucket D I say your boy, I guess it's our boy, but, um, so I mean, it goes back to history. Obviously he had a really strong showing if I'm not mistaken, that's his, uh, tied for his highest elite series finish ever. Is that fifth, fifth place? Or it was until uh, third at Chickamauga last year. Okay. 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 Yeah. He so I knew all, I don't, I don't think he's ever made a top 10 where he hasn't finished fifth except for when he got third. So yeah. So knew, Jake makes the top 10. He's probably going to be top five and not right. <laughs> right. He's against finishing fifth to or sixth to 10th, just or 12th. It just doesn't do it. Oh, okay. Um, but once again, okay. Obviously history has a little bit to do with it. Um, but also like you said, with the Carolinian thing, uh, stylistically, I think it matches up well for him. I mean, obviously, I know he's able to utilize a frog uh, in that tournament, a uh, square bill, I believe. I mean, he mixed in a few different things, but I, I just, I, I really think stylistically that, you know, this tournament sets up well for him. Obviously, having some experience, positive experience. Um, I just think Jake Whitaker is a solid pick in bucket D, like you said, and also one of those guys you just don't expect to be in bucket D for very long. Yeah. Uh, he had that just major brain fart thinking he was the final flight at Pickwick when he was the fourth flight or the third flight. I think there was only four flights. He was the third flight, checked in with the fourth flight. His 16 and a half pound bag was nothing. And so he finished 91st instead of being in 47th, having a shot to make the cut, which would have moved him like 30 spots up in angler of the year. He'd be up there well into that classic range um, if he hadn't had that mess up. So he's going to have to catch him. He's going to want to catch him, but for, uh Whitaker you said a frog and for folks who don't know the Sabine it might be March I mean uh it might be early April for the Sabine but a frog is still going to play we're still going to see buzz bait play it's south Texas south Louisiana the water's been warm for a little bit um after that you know obviously the snow and whatnot in those regions that never get it having snow there probably set it back a little bit but it probably pushed a lot of fish into that spawning mode as soon as it got right so I think, and I think they might be having a full moon this this week as well. So I think a lot of these fish are going to be ready to bite. They're going to be, uh, when you get in their areas, you're going to be able to catch them flipping, top water, that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to interrupt you on that, but I did want to mention that, yeah, it was midsummer last time we were here, but top water is still going to be a factor for sure. And something, uh, 
something that I, I thought was interesting today. Uh, I, I've watched the 2018 show a billion times, not even this week, just, you know, over the course of uh, the last few years, but something Hackney talked about who obviously won the 2018 event was thinking that the tournament in the summertime, June, I believe was when it was in 2018 would uh, spread everybody out and it would fish a lot differently, but he kind of attested to the fact that like it fished very similar to their experiences in the spring. Um, obviously 2015 was way more um, time comparative, I guess, to this tournament. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I but think then also Louisiana was in play for those. So yeah, that's true. true. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, like you said, a lot of the same things will play um, as far as the top water and that kind of thing. I just think that obviously it'll be a lot better fishing being in April uh, versus June. Obviously it was a, a grinder, <laughs> a uh, straight up grinder. Give me your bucket E. Bucket E. He burned me last week, but I'm going with him again. Justin Atkins. Um, Can't keep a good dog down for long. 100%. So my thing is, and he's fairly high percentage. Uh, I'd have to double check. I mean, when I picked him, he was like 13. So he has a 14 and a half. Um, so I mean, pretty high percentage. To me, like you said, I think that's the best way to look at it. Justin Atkins is not going to struggle the entire year. It's just, it's not going to happen. And kind of goes back to style as well. And I mean, a lot of people know Justin Atkins for different things, but Justin Atkins is very good with a spinning rod in his hand. Um, obviously throwing a wacky rig is something that I think about a lot with him um, being able to flip. Um, I mean, once again, just kind of goes with one of those style picks. Do I think Justin Atkins has ever made a cast in the Sabine river? I don't think so. Unless he fished that open in 2017, which I couldn't imagine he did. He probably never made a cast there, but I feel like he's one of those guys that can settle into an area, um, you know, milk it for all it's worth. And also, okay, coming off of the Pickwick event, moving into this event, it probably feels like the weight of the world has been lifted off his shoulders because there's no pressure for him to, to catch him comparatively to, uh, to obviously the Pickwick event. So, I mean, I think you're going to see Justin Atkins get back on track and uh, have a good event here. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we don't, or we underestimate is the urgency, the sense of urgency. His bank account's fine. He's won big events. He's won money. He's, he's, he's fine. Established, very established. Yes. He does have a, a young boy at home and, and a wife that he doesn't, you know, obviously uh, want to put them at risk. So he's going to catch him at some point going forward, but he, he really probably feels it. You know, maybe the pressure was mounting at Pickwick because it's his home place, crazy conditions. They still expect me to catch him. Hopefully I do. Um, he followed a little, you know, a decoy bass as he likes, as Pollinate calls it, catch him on a spinnerbait and it just didn't translate. And then day, day two, he just ran around and did as much as he could and it couldn't work out. But now he's still got just as much pressure at the Sabine because it's the fourth event of the year. He's still in the bottom bucket, which means he's from 80th to 100th in the AOI race, not where he wants to be. So I think he's going to put in the time and the work. Not that these guys don't, everyone puts in time and work, but he's not going to go into day one without a good plan. It's just sure. not going to happen. He's going to go do the extreme. He's going to go do the safe. He's going to go and do it all. He's going to fish daylight to, to dark and put in work and try to do that. Maybe his boy, Wes Logan, who I believe, um, I don't know. I don't think he fished the opens then, but he probably sets up well for this style and they'll probably work really well together this week to dial it in at least to regions that you should be in. That's also a thing. Sure. If you have a roommate, some of these events 
you often see them do both do well. I think Matt Heron did sure. all right. Bill Lowen did well. The last time we were here, their roommates, they, they talk and, and communicate. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Benton does well and Drew Cook does well, Brandon Cobb does well, Shane LeHue does well, stuff like that. So, and it helps that Clark Winlet, Scott Canterbury, or I guess Scott's, Scott's with Scott Martin this year and Matt Airy, but Clark Winlet, Jay Yellis, they always talk together. And that's, and that, that segues into my pick. I'm going with Jay Yellis. He's an old school angler as well. Um, if he, if he, for some reason watches this, uh, I don't think you're old, Jay, you're very young, but in the scheme of the elite series, average age, you're more seasoned than most. I'll just say that <laughs> he, he's an AOI winner, a classic winner things like that. But I think this sets up well for Jay. I think he loves fishing in the dirt. I think he, we saw that at fork last year in the fall, tough conditions. He excelled. I think we'll see him do well at, at the Sabine and really bucket E is a tough bucket most times because you've got guys who are in a funk that aren't supposed to be there. So they're picked highly. And then there's guys that just haven't gotten traction in a while. And it's hard to decipher when they will get traction. And right. so looking at it, you got a couple guys in there that have high percentages as well. I think there's four or five guys all with similar percentages. You got a couple at 17% at Gleason and uh, Carl Jacobson. You have Randy Sullivan at 18%. You've got Justin Atkins at 14, like you said. And, uh, and I think that is all the double digit guys, but 1.4% for Jay Yellis. I'll go with that. Uh, I think that you can't really go wrong in bucket E you, you will go wrong at the end of the event, but there's no rhyme or reason why any of these guys are going to catch them. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, I almost texted you prior to the event when I was picking my team and said, bucket E is so tough. Um, and you know, it, the reality of it is somebody always catches them in bucket E at least better than the rest. I mean, it's, you know, that's a no brainer. Obviously yeah. somebody's going to catch them better than the rest. Guys, of bucket e. But yeah, I mean, ultimately a lot of times it's like you said, it's a lot of guys that are in a funk that are in a slump, you know, whatever you want to call it. So it is very tricky. Um, you know, and then, we, you know, in, in years past, let's just use last year as an example, uh, John Cruz didn't have a very good season and everybody just knew it was bound to happen. It was bound to start turning around. Same way with Lee Livesey, who obviously won a tournament, but you just knew it was going to happen at some point. And sometimes, you know, that's, guys just have bad years. I mean, that's just the way it works. And, um, you know, a lot of times you see that in bucket E. I mean, that's where that, yeah, yeah, no doubt. In the so, years, I mean, that's underrated. It's so hard. And so some of those guys in bucket E have had not a tough three events. They've had a tough 11 events or 12 events counting last year or a tough 22 events counting two years in a row and so it's just man they're just having to enjoy each and every cast because they're they may not make the elite series for next year they may they may get kicked out and have to requalify again so at a certain point when they start fishing free no pressure i've just got to try to win an event you know to to just prove to myself so that's when you'll see some guys really jump up but i'm going to jump in real quick to um Hyper history. I did it with you last time. It's kind of going to be simpler. You're not going to be caught off guard. We got our board. Here are the top two guys in every single bucket. Hackney and BP, Christy Cruz, Swindle Rivette, Zaldane Winlet, Sullivan, and Gleason. We'll go through it real quick. Hype or history with Greg Hackney and Brandon Polinick. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think it's a little bit of both for them. But Hackney, hyper history. I'm going to go history and, and purely based on 
the fact that, you know, hype, obviously he's going to have hype all year. Like you said, he's going to be the highest percentage guy in his bucket regardless. People want him to do well. So no doubt. They no doubt. Him wanting him to do well. <laughs> no doubt. So I'm not going to say hype, though, based on the fact that obviously he had a bad event uh, at Pickwick. So, I mean, some of that hype, I guess, would have dwindled. But like you said, I don't think you're going to be able to take the hackney hype away. But I'm definitely going to go history. Obviously, has really, really good history at the Sabine. Winning last year, top 12 the year prior. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue with the history that Hackney's had at the Sabine. BP. Got to be hype, right? I mean, like you said, I mean, if you look at it, obviously had a, had a decent finish uh, in 2018, 2015. I, I don't believe it was so good. Um, definitely going to be hype. Christy and Cruz. Well, we we'd actually just talked about this off camera, but Christie's got to be hype because if you, if you did any research on Jason Christie, the last time we were at the Sabine River, he was in the 90s, which it's like it's like when someone you want or someone who should do well, a guy with no flaws, no sins, the, the only sinless anglers on the tour, the ones that you want to do well, you're like, ah, pff, he didn't do well, but that wasn't his fault. You know, he's going to do yeah. it this time. I don't care what you could do. He could do bad. It was time. just one time. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just four missed cuts. Well, I mean, yeah. so. which and yeah, don't, was, don't get me wrong. I mean, a guy like Christy in this event, you would think would have no problem catching him. But yeah, I mean, it can't be history. It's got to be hype. Uh, and yeah, definitely a history under Cruz. Yeah, game. that's yeah. Yeah, that's a no-brainer as far as his success on uh, the Sabine. Definitely got to be history. And going from somebody that picked him, I'm definitely saying history. So, Swindle Rivette, this is an interesting one. History with Swindle, obviously, because anybody that that watched the 2018 show, um, you know, paid attention to that event live, obviously he made a big-time – yeah, made a big-time comeback um, on the final day uh, – final two days, really. But, I mean, I think it's got to be history with Swindle. Uh, Ravette, I'm going to go hype based on his, okay. So here, here's my, my thought process on that. And don't you, don't you run around the bush, tell it like it is. I am, I am, I am. So Tyler Ravette has a really good event at Pickwick and I mean, you know, really great event catching them a uh, really fun way to watch them. I actually covered him the final day of the event. Um, and I think you, you see that. And then you come into this event and you see Louisiana next to his name. And you're like, it's a no-brainer. But it goes back to the fact that I, does anybody know for sure that Tyler Rivette's ever fished on the Sabine River? I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> it's his style, but he comes no doubt, no doubt. in the bayous of sure. East Louisiana. He's closer to New Orleans and uh, New Orleans, sorry, than, uh, yeah. than he is Orange. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> hey, you like that? Um, so I'd agree with you. I, I actually have not disagreed with any of these yet. So I like it. I will disagree soon. Uh, Zaldane and Winlet. Give it to me. I'm trying to – there we go. I, I got it squared up. Zaldane and Winlet. I feel like you got to go hype on both. I mean, I, I haven't even done I, – I can be honest with you and say that I have not done my history research on Zaldane, but I don't think he's caught him here. Um, I wouldn't assume with his style that – yeah, you yeah, know, it doesn't, you just, know, it definitely does not. It's hard to go for it to Sabine. Like, it's hard to yeah. go for it. You go for it. You go for it. Bite. You know, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, if you for some reason are watching this far into it, I don't think there's a bag <laughs> draft bite going on at the Sabine River. 
I Lord, I hope he catches one on Bass Live on a mag draft or something. That would be awesome. There's there's fish that would be there's more fish on the Sabine River that would be scared by his eight inch mag traps than would bite it. Let's put it that way. So I get why you say hype for sure. Um, so Wendell, it I would I mean it's got to be hype in the sense that. Um, and I'm not just I'm not just saying this because he's one of your picks, but I mean you yeah. see you see Clark Wendell and Bucket D, and it's like kind of a no brainer. I mean to a certain extent, um, you've got to at least consider it. Um, and it's got to be hype because he doesn't have any history here. Yeah, and no history, history from this season hadn't been that great, even though we won AOI last year. So yeah, no I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so Bucket E, Randy, so Sullivan, which which to be honest. Randy has had some highs and lows in the elite so far in his career. He almost won Gunnersville with Frank Talley. I think he got second there. Um, this might be the only time that he's really, really high picked in the bucket, the highest angler. I think he's at 18.7%. This might be the only time he's the highest. And I say that because it does have Texas in Orange, Texas. He's from Texas. And Bucket E is a mess. Like I said, it's so hard. It is. It's all over the place. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think you look at. Randy Sullivan, Bucket E. I'm going to say, I mean, I don't know. What do you even call it? Because I, in 2018, do we know, do you know off the top of your head where he I don't think he, I don't think he was in the elites. And if he was, it was his first year. I should click him. <laughs> I should click him and see. I should click him and see. Hold on. This might be, you might have stumped, stumped me. That would have been. If it was, it was his rookie year, but I don't think he was a rookie with that. I know uh, it's like you said, it's, it's right around the time that he started. So I, I'm not sure. Um, I guess hype. They definitely got to go hype just ba- based on the Texas and the name, I think. Is, yeah. It's, and it's hard. There's not many, really, really many events, maybe Winyah Bay that you could compare. Yeah. No. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, goes back to, it, it's funny. I actually did quite a bit of research in this tournament compared to normal a lot of times it's a feel thing for me and then i can you know i can make make it make sense to me at least boom boom he he was on the elites it was his rookie year and he uh oh he's got he does have history oh man i understand why people picked him now my mistake he's got two events under his belt here he got sixth in orange texas in the open in 2017 which helped him qualify for the elites. He fished it in 2018, got 49th, and made the day three cut, got 10 grand from it. There you go. So I, I guess uh, we, neither of us knew that. So, so I got to just evidently, – I got evidently history then. I didn't know. My bad. <laughs> evidently two of the pundits didn't even know. <laughs> um, so we'll go history then. <laughs> yeah. the, open, the open thing, that surprises me, actually. I, I, I would not have – not of uh i think the open was early in the year too and then the elite was later in the year yeah yes yeah yeah yeah. so gleason i was i I was actually gonna say something about gleason so like earlier whenever we were talking about him that's so funny to me is the fact that think about how many casts daryl gleason has made within five miles probably of fishable tournament waters five ten miles but probably rarely ever, if ever, fish the Sabine River. I mean, I'm sure he has, obviously. And, and, but you, like, can't, and you can't lock from the Sabine River <laughs> into Toledo Bend. To Toledo so. Bend. But he yeah. might go touch the dam just to feel like he's right there on the place he guides all the time. That's what, uh, that's what was so funny to me thinking about this tournament. Is like, you know, can you imagine just 
uh, Daryl Gleason, before he finished the elite series, before he knew he was going to qualify for the elite series, let's just say three or four years ago, just deciding, hey, I'm going to drive past Toledo Bend today and I'm going to go fish the Sabine River. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, he's probably got some history there. I, I don't discredit that. I'm sure he's obviously fished the Sabine at some point just because of how big of a tournament angler he is just, you know, outside of the elites, before the elites. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to go hyped. I see you circling. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with that. I think, that's a, I think that's a fair pick. Obviously, once again, it goes back to what we were saying with Brevet. Uh, Louisiana is in the title <laughs> of uh, his player yeah. profile. So I think that's probably a big reason why people would pick him. Uh, but at the same point, I mean, you know, I, I don't think you can discredit him. I, I honestly have given it some thought. I, I would not be surprised in the least to watch Daryl Gleason catch him in this event. Not even like a tad bit surprised. Yeah, and at a certain point, I know Randy and I know Daryl, his wife, uh, Randy, she's going to stay on him. He's going to catch him. He needs to catch him. So at a certain point, they're going to start some – she's going to pull the leather belt out and start putting it to him if he doesn't catch him. So, you know, he expects great of him. It is his first year on the elites. He's fished professionally, uh, you know, for – Last year he did, so this is his second year fishing professionally, and uh, but his first year on the elites. And so, yeah, I would expect him to catch him at some point, but, man, he is so good of an offshore angler that maybe it's the Fork, Neely, Gunnersville that's really going to be his stretch where he starts catching up. But he's got to have a decent finish here because you don't want to give too many points away and rely have to rely on your second half of your year. So yeah, no. I like that hyper history there. We got a good balance. We got – one, two, three, four hypes, six history. I mean, uh, four histories, six hypes. It's pretty good balance. I think last time I dig it. we put everybody was hype. Um, yeah, no doubt. And then like Atkins was history, and then he ended up being hype. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it ended up not working as out. as we know all too well. Yes, exactly. Well, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Appreciate you joining us for the fantasy fishing preview of the Sabine River. Ronnie Moore here with Kyle Jesse. We also covered Lake Hartwell, the classic announcement for 2022. Also some revisiting of Pickwick, Bill Lowe and the winner there. I think uh, I said it I said it earlier. I think it's uh, big boy season. Big boy season's coming out. We had two slender guys, Brian New and Jeff Gustafson, kind of long and lanky guys going to take the titles in the first two events. Bill Lowen, not long and lanky. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a good old boy. And I think Matt Heron, that's my pick. That's what I went with. I think it's a, I think it's big boy season. I think that we're going to have a good old fashioned grinder. And I think one of our old veterans is going to do very well and win uh, their, maybe their first blue, blue trophy at the Sabine river. So Kyle, any last thoughts before uh, you're not going to be on the water at that event. You're going to be back in Birmingham, correct? Covering it. Correct. Correct. So I'll be, I'll be helping out producing. I'll still try to, you know, uh, contribute to the blog and do some things there, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm actually really looking forward to this tournament. So I, I'll be honest. I'll be hundred percent honest. When it was scheduled to be fished in August, I was already dreading that tournament and it was so far off just because I, you know, I knew how tough it was for guys in June when we had it there, you know, in 2018, thinking about how tough fishing anywhere in August is in the South and then taking an already like, you know, you know, difficult fishery. I wouldn't say like bad fishery because it's really not, but I mean, it's unique, a difficult tough. fishery to fish. Yeah. yeah. Very, very unique. I mean, it's a, it's a curveball for most of our guys and uh, you know, going there in April, barring 
crazy weather, knock on wood, because we uh, said that before Pickwick, and obviously that's what uh, that's what happened. But um, I think it could be good fishing. You know, I think that guys could get quite a few bites. I mean, I think that uh, it'll turn out way better than people expect. So I'm actually looking forward to it. I love watching that style of fishing. I know you and I share uh, fishing styles to its, you know, pretty certain uh, certain point. I mean, we like watching those shallow grinder fisheries, and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a way better tournament than people are expecting. Hey, if you want some twists and turns, some craziness, just schedule a Bassmaster Elite Series event. We'll have a huge fog delay at the St. John's. We'll have some crazy cold temperatures and water levels in Knoxville. We'll have some crazy flooding at Pickwick. So. Who knows what happens to the Sabine? Maybe a canal will just disappear. I'm not sure. I don't know about that. But Sabine River, Orange, Texas, a great crowd destination. One of the best. The record setters for a long time till Waddington, New York, uh, surpassed them. But I'm super excited that we got to do it. The mask mandate was lifted for Texas. We're able to do it in April. A great time. Fishing fans are going to show up. The vaccine's been out for a while. If that's your flavor, if it's not whatever use your use your best judgment as we all have tried to do so excited about this event bassmaster live four days we're gonna have six cameras day one six cameras day two ten on day three and ten on the final day it was supposed to be championship sunday maybe it still will be we've had some championship tuesdays this year so hopefully we'll keep this event four days everything will go as planned and it'll be a good one but like you said a tough fishery a unique one and these are always some of the most interesting ones for Bassmaster Live. It may be tough on the anglers. It may be tough on the crew. It may be tough on the Bass Live crew. But at the end of the at the end of the year, we will remember Greg Hackney fishing in that canal with Bill Lowen and winning the event. We'll remember Stetson Blaylock staying close at Winyaw Bay and Scott Canterbury going far and it being ounces. We'll remember those things for years to come. So we will see how that goes. And uh, I appreciate you joining us for Kyle and I. We're out of here. We'll see you on Thursday morning. First cast at Sabine River.